Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast, breaking news edition. No news is good really? news, Eric. Did you know that? <laughs> Wait, uh, no, this is bad. You scared, you scared me. I was like, did I miss something? Uh, just peeking behind the curtain here. So I have two monitors uh, set up at my desk. Or, wow. You know, one, one monitor and my laptop. So I usually use that other monitor for TweetDeck. But while, when we're recording, I put the podcast notes in that monitor. So it's like larger for me to read because I have old man eyes. And um, uh, so I don't have TweetDeck open. So when you said breaking news, I was like, I must have missed something. <laughs> nope. Nope, there's uh, we don't have a lot to talk about, but you know what? We uh, committed to doing even in no news era uh, every two weeks, so we have like an update on the not update, I guess. Uh, but we're yep. gonna play a little game involving the designated hitter, and then we have the the regular segments because if we didn't, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, five questions from Craig and Dodgers rewind all of that after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Eric. Are we still in a labor crisis in baseball today? <laughs> I for- forgot the setup last time. Uh, <laughs> Simpsons reference. Uh, you know, if, speaking of that, it's funny. So we're obviously still in the lockout. No no transactions uh, for major league players uh, today. We were recording on two two twenty two, which is Groundhog Day. Uh, but also, uh, the Giants, I believe, announced today uh, they are retiring Will Clark's number twenty two uh, this year at some point. Or I guess they were going to do it in two thousand twenty, uh, but because of the pandemic, it didn't happen. But the ceremony is going to be this year. But so they announced on two two twenty two, and he was number twenty two. Clayton Kershaw, you may have heard of him. Uh, he'll come up later in the show. Um, he famously wears number 22 because he grew up liking the Rangers version of Will Clark. Um, so maybe I was thinking, maybe when you said breaking news, I was thinking maybe they ended the lockout or Clayton Gershaw posted on Instagram. Hey, just so you know, when we start up again, I'm re-signing with the Dodgers, number 22, blah, blah, blah. Or or it could have been, you know what? Will Clark was a Ranger. It's two two twenty two. I'm going to be a Ranger wearing number twenty two. <laughs> blah blah blah. But nope, it wasn't that. It was uh, because there's no news. So yep, that's where we're at. So um, what's what's what is the update on? Not a lot of tangible things to go on. Baseball, um, Major League Baseball, and the Players Union ha- keep meeting for what? It, it, I don't know. Not. I don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen an accurate description of how long they go, but the impression is not very long. They don't meet for very long. They exchange uh, proposals and then they go home and say how upset everybody was. Yeah, it, it's. I don't. I tend not to. I think the the Dallas stuff that was all like in person. 
um, where like last minute before the lockout where I tend not to read a lot into that. I know there was one meeting that was like seven minutes in that December thing where, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous, but I was like Eugene Friedman, uh, labor lawyer um, on Twitter has been pretty good at explaining this. A lot of it is like, there's a lot of like different sides, like, okay, let's, we meet for a little bit, then both sides like break out and caucus for a second and then they come back. I, I think like the meeting, they've met like three times, I think since we last recorded two weeks ago um, on like major stuff. And like, I think yesterday's, this is, we're recording Tuesday, this was, or, or Wednesday, uh, this was Tuesday when they met. I think they met for like 90 minutes. That seems like pretty normal. Like it, it just, I don't think there's like, uh, let's start the meeting and they're like, hey, fuck you. No, fuck you. And then we're out of here. It's not that, you know what I mean? But it kind of is like on some level because some of the offers are like kind of ridiculous. But um, like I uh, I believe at various times, I didn't collect all the adjectives. I just wrote a couple down. But uh, heated uh, was how uh, some of the talks were described. Spirited uh, was another one that was kind of funny. Um, so like... I, we talked about this, our, our standing bet, as I said, opening day would be April 1st, forgetting that opening day is actually March 31st. You said June 1st, uh, May 1 is the midpoint there. I still think it's going to be, season's going to start at some point in April. Uh, it, you know, it could be a situation where they ended up missing like a week or two or whatever, and you have to adjust accordingly, but I'm not as like, um, long-term like worried as i might be in this scenario it's just going to be an annoying process to get there i think so my my big thing is like they both sides players and owners seem like they're structurally on the same page very roughly they're very far apart in some of the numbers like but that's just a matter that's that'll come with like going back and forth right like figuring it out like um I don't think like the players dropped uh, their proposal to start free agency uh, sooner than six years. That's like a major thing. Um, they both sort of agree on some sort of bonus pool for high performing players before arbitration. So like guys with zero to three years service time. And, and like you'll see this is sort of an example of this. Um uh, the AP sort of had this detail, uh, all those sites have, that have been recapping it have had this, but so, uh, last week, I believe the players, uh, they want for that bonus pool, a total of 105 million, which if you think about it, 30 teams, it's about 3 million a team to like spread among quote unquote high performing. It's, it's a matter of figuring out how they determine that is one thing, but then the owners are like, no, the total bonus pool across the sport is going to be ten million. So, like, there—that's just a joke of a offer, sort of. <laughs> but like that—that's sort of where they're at. Like, it, they're far apart money-wise, but like the structure is there. The uh, minimum salary last year was five hundred seventy thousand five hundred. The players—I uh, don't think they've. Uh, uh, oh no, this has been back and forth. Uh, the players, I believe, their ask at, right now starts at seven hundred seventy-five thousand. Uh, the owners uh, original like offer like we'll go to six hundred thousand, which I believe if you account for inflation is actually lower than like you know many recent years. So like, uh, but then they up their offer to six hundred fifteen thousand. But also they have a weird thing where they don't allow um, pl uh, teams to play pay players more than that. Like right now, like you know. You know, like Edwin Rios, uh, I don't have the guys in front of me, but some of the guys like on the Dodgers, they didn't earn exactly 570500 Like Will Smith was like something like five ninety, you know, something like that. But I think under this system the owners want, they don't they don't even want that ability, which is very weird. Um, so I think, but in terms of the system, it's still the same system. They just have to figure out like how to distribute. So I don't think it's as dire and i just think once once you get closer to where it's a threat of missing things and then like ultimately they kind of want the same thing so i think they're going to work it out the, the another big thing they're far apart on is the competitive competitive balance tax um i don't think they've actually discussed this or changed it since december but the, the numbers that are out there is the players wanted it to start at 
it was 210 million last year, the, the threshold. They want it to start at 245 million and then escalate to 273 million by the end of the five year CBA. The owners are like, let's go from 210 to 214. And then over the course of the CBA, it goes all the way up to 220. And so, like, they're just, they're far apart on this stuff. That's Hannah Kaiser at Yahoo has more on that. I, I will link to that in the show notes. So, just as a, as a, um, sort of point of reference, the last CBA, uh, the, Threshold was 195 million in 2017. It went up to 210. So, like the owners now offering a, even starting at 214, which is low, given where the revenues are in the sport, um, and then only going up six million in five years is kind of wild. So, like it's not consistent with like even previous CBAs. So, like uh, it's just stuff they'll they'll sort of figure out. It's all incremental movement right now, which is that's sort of the annoying part. Um, so it seemed like yesterday, this was, this was like the third recent in-person meeting. It seemed like every report was like, well, now it's pretty obvious that spring training isn't going to start on time. At least like the reporting dates. Well, that seemed, that's been like obvious for a while. It's just like, I think it's not official, but it's like, it's, it became like, okay, it's pretty clear now. Like, I guess that's the sort of thing. Um, now, I will say this, like, again, I think structurally they're roughly on the same page. So it's just a matter of, like, figuring out what they want. The owners want, like, expanded playoffs. So I think they're going to eventually give something up to get that. And I think that's where the movement happens. And it seemed like both sides uh, in this whole thing want a universal DH. Uh, it, uh, so I think that's going to happen like we had in 2020 in the pandemic season. So what we are going to do today is we're going to draft Dodgers. Wait, draft Dodgers. <laughs> is this a, uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're going to draft Dodgers to uh, figure out which of us has the uh, group of players with the most plate appearances as a designated hitter in 2022. Um, now what happens when there's not a season? Wait a I'm minute. just um, we, we tie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we were, we're both champions in that, in that scenario. Um, so I think I think we discuss. We're going to do a team of five players each. I will give you the option. Do you? We're let's do a snake style. So do you want to go first uh, or uh, second? So you'd have second and third in that scenario. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, let me open up my new little thing. Oh, so I, I, I provided a sort of the Dodgers in 2020 sort of famously split up DH. They didn't have like, you know, Nelson Cruz type. Uh, they kind of uh, gave people off days, um, uh, used it in that regard. Uh, I think Jock Peterson had the most starts, 12 out of the 60 games. Uh, AJ Pollock, Justin Turner had 10 each. Um, so like they, they they spread it around quite a bit. So I think that's that's what we're gonna do, uh, and that's that's where we're at. So yeah, uh, we are at uh, five players each. You go first. I will have the next two after that. Justin Turner. Mm, all right. I was gonna write Turner, and then I'll be like, wait, do you mean Trey or Justin? <laughs> um, okay, so I will go. Hmm. I will go AJ Pollock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. Also, our good friend at, you know what? I'm going, I'm going Will Smith. Ah, that, was my, that was my next one. You have two now. Uh, but you stole mine. This is not very nice, Eric. Fair. It's not fair. Um, it's so funny because it's, I want to name like mystery player, not currently on the 40 general, you know. <laughs> hey, I mean, you totally could. I, I just, so I'll, I, all we're going to judge this on is total plate appearances, not like performance or war right, right, or something right, like right. that. It's um, like in, I think it would be really hard to break that out. Yeah. Um, let's do Matt Beatty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have His another one? position oh. famously the batter's box. So Right. <laughs> he actually started five times uh, uh, in 2020 at DH, fifth most on the team. 
uh, at the uh, gambling ri- when is uh, when is Edwin Rios supposed to be back? Because he's supposed to be. Uh, I believe I believe he'll he's supposed to be ready to go whenever they start like spring training. I'll I'll say Rios then. I'll say a bounce back. That last year's not very good performance. Uh, yep. All due to injury, and he'll be good to go. Yep, and it gives him a shot to to play. Either yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a that's a worthy nice pick. Um, so I will go. Just as a precaution, because we're still not sure exactly what the aftermath is from uh, elbow stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go Max Muncie. Okay. And I will also, hmm, oof, let's say, I'm just because he, he tends to play in the field a lot. But just because he plays all the time, I, I'm going to just say Chris Taylor. Um, yeah, I think he'll just almost always be in the field. But I get it. Right. I, I see where you're going. Um, I'll say Zach McKinstry. Mm-hmm. Do I have another, one more? Another bat-heavy person. Yep. So you're, who's your last pick? I'm figuring that out. Um, looking at the Dodgers 40 man right now, would they, they're going to have to add a player to Eric. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I agree with you. We, we should, we should discuss this on future podcasts. We'll need the content. We know it. So. Uh, and he, all, you know, it's really funny. All these players look all the same, kind of dark and shadowy. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. MLB.com is where the, I'm at. The so. lighting was weird yeah. that day when John Suhu took those pictures. Uh, I guess I'll say... Another player who I'll trust to figure things out one year forward, uh, Luke Rayleigh. Nice. I like I like your strategy here. Uh, I am in the wrong spot. Okay. Um, okay. So you took Luke Rayleigh. So I have one more pick. I will just go here. Um, I'm just going to say Mookie Betts uh, just in case. Sure. Um, some of the the leg the hip stuff comes back, and they just want to give him a the governor, as it were, uh, to sort of get him off his feet, but also hit. Um, so yeah, I, I went with a, a lot more top heavy, but like you know, these are actually good players. <laughs> yeah, but like for not sure, necessarily going to be DH. Like yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, different strategies for sure. Yeah. So just to recap, uh, so my uh, my team is AJ Pollock, Will Smith, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts. You have Justin Turner, uh, Matt Beatty, Edwin Rios, Zach McKinstry, and Luke Rayleigh. So clearly, Trey Turner and Cody Bellinger yeah. will lead the Dodgers <laughs> in, in this. Um, okay, so looking back, um, uh, they Dodgers have had interleague play. Uh, said the baseball has had interleague play since 1997. Uh, who has the most regular season home runs as a designated hitter for the Dodgers during that time? I will, That's my an- trivia. I will answer that after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Who has the most regular season home runs as a designated hitter for the Dodgers? Uh, the one, the one hint I was going to mention is, uh, so since '97, the Dodgers have played 220 uh, games in American League parks in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give you an idea of the scale. Um, and, and just to confirm, we're also counting all of last year, right? Or two years ago, excuse me. Yep, and then, uh, and just to 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 give you a, a heads up on your 
on your draft, uh, Justin Turner has the most plate appearances uh, of any Dodger he, DH. He was he was up there. On uh, my first guess was going to be Sean Green. Um, looking, he um he actually has zero home runs. Uh, only six games and twenty five plate appearances. Interesting. I would have I, I figured I would have figured more near the uh, end. And there, I the thought I thought he would have played more as well. Um, my, 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 the three guesses I had in order before I asked for a hint were next was under Ethier. Um, he also had zero home runs, nine games, 38 <laughs> plate appearances. <laughs> what, what schlubs? Uh, all right. And then my last guess before you gave me the hint was Justin Turner. Yeah. So he, he has those 124 plate appearances, uh, one home run, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he, He's tied for second. Uh, my okay. One okay, of my I have hints. one more guess. I have one more guess that I just thought okay. of before we got there. Almeida yep. signs. So he has the second most played appearances with seventy-five. Yep. Also one home run. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? This isn't much of a hint, but no thanks, uh, buddy. <laughs> since since interleague play began, the Dodgers have twenty home runs total as a DH. It's it's by it's the lowest in the majors. The the um, the exponats have uh, twenty three. Actually, I'm just looking here, and just in case it actually, I was seeing if it seeing if it accidentally credited like that was only expos or something. But uh, then the pirates have twenty seven. Everyone else has at least thirty three home runs. So the Dodgers have the fourth worst OPS uh, six ninety. Uh, among major league teams as a DH in that time. So it's been rough. Um, the All other right. hint I, yeah, will, I will give you is there have been five uh, different players to hit uh, a home run as a DH in the playoffs. One of them is uh, one of these players who's tied for the regular season home run. So he technically has the most DH home runs mm. um, if you count regular season and postseason and this person hit the postseason home run at Fenway Park. Brain. Uh all right, I have I have two guesses I'm gonna throw out there. I'm gonna ignore the Fenway hint because it's just screwing with my brain. Uh Jock Peterson. So Jock uh has one uh regular season home run. He also has one postseason home run. Okay. Which which actually puts him in the, um, I guess he's all alone in second place. All right, uh, uh, last the my last guess, place. and then you're just going to tell me is uh, Yasmani. Oh, I don't even know if he he has never played DH for the Dodgers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I was it's a little surprising. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'll I'm tapped out. Okay, so the person in question uh, who hit the home run in the 2018 World Series, uh, Matt Kemp, uh, three home runs in the regular season as DH, one in the World Series, game one. Um, the other uh, person at the top is Corey Seager, uh, three home <laughs> runs as DH. Uh, Seager in 10 games, 44 plate appearances, uh, Matt Kemp in nine and 40. Uh, the other... Um, uh, postseason DH home runs. Edwin Rios, another uh, Jacob pick for this year. Kike yeah. um, uh, Hernandez, I forgot. he His game seven tying home run was actually pinch hitting for DH Jock Peterson in uh, uh, that uh, in, in game seven. Um, and then Jock Peterson in the 2017 World Series. Uh, Mike Davis, game five of the 88 World Series. So yeah, and then it's all like outside of those three people with multiple home runs. Everyone else is just tied with one. Chad Cruder is one of the people. Oh no, Edwin Rios is also a regular season plus postseason, so he's a two home run guy. Chad Cruder, Mike Kincaid, Ramon Hernandez, Luis Gonzalez are some of these guys <laughs> with one. Uh, it's a it's a great list. So yeah. Well, you have a Dodgers rewind for us. I do. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Joe Black uh, this this time. I was looking. I thought we might have done him before, but we have not on Dodgers G1. So he, he's a pretty 
interesting character in Dodgers history. Um, so he he pitched uh, parts of six seasons for the Baltimore Elite Giants in the Negro Leagues. Now, the first three of those years, he sort of barely pitched for them. He was just sort of around. He was also in the Army and, and in college. So that was part of it. And then from 1946 to 1948, he was like 100, 120 innings a year for the, uh, the Baltimore Elite Giants those years. Um, then he went completed his college degree at Morgan State um, in Baltimore uh, in 1949-1950. Then the Dodgers purchased both um, Joe Black's contract and Jim Gilliam's contract from Baltimore in 1951. Uh, and then he was in the minors that year. Both of them were. Um, Gilliam didn't debut until 1953. Uh, Joe Black uh, debuted in on May 1st, 1952. He was 28. Uh, he was the fifth black pitcher in Major League history and the fifth black Dodgers player. Um, so in order for the Dodgers, uh, obviously Jackie Robinson for 1947. Later that year, pitcher Dan Bankhead, he was the first black MLB pitcher. He also homered in his first at bat, uh, which was sort of a, a fun quirk. Uh, uh, then Roy Campanella, 1948, Don Newcomb, 1949, and then Joe Black, 1952. Um so he had in 1952, he was used almost exclusively in relief. Um, but it was like, he still pitched a lot. Like he, he had seven relief appearances lasting at least five innings. I believe one of them was an extra inning game where he pitched eight innings. Um, he had 15 relief appearances of at least three innings. His first 54 games in the majors were all in relief. And then towards the end of the year, the Dodgers starting pitching was pretty thin. So he started twice at the end of the year to sort of uh, get ready for the World Series because they were going to win the pennant. Um, in his first start, he pitched a complete game, gave up two unearned runs and one uh, against the Boston Braves. He was also Jackie Robinson's roommate in 1952 and sort of credited him with sort of acclimating him to the majors and like giving him pretty sage advice. He was awesome that year, 15-4, uh, and 215 ERA. He pitched 56 games, 142 innings. He would have led the National League in ERA, but he fell 12 innings shy of qualifying. Now, it was funny, the, the pitcher who did lead the league in ERA that year was another rookie and a reliever, Coit Wilhelm, who went on a knuckleballer who went on to the Hall of Fame. He had a 243 ERA and 159 innings pitch, so he barely made the requirement, but he, he did. Um, so... Uh, Black's 128 and a third innings in relief that year are the fourth most in Dodgers history in one season. Mike Marshall famously with the record setting 1974 years, number one with 208, which is funny. Uh, Charlie Huff, 1976, 142 and two thirds. Ron Paranofsky had 129 innings in 1962. So uh, that year, Black won the rookie of the year over uh, Hoyt Wilhelm. Uh, getting 19 out of 24 first place votes. It wasn't that close of a vote. Also, Black finished third in MVP. Um, there was basically um, like a split between uh, Joe Black, starter Robin Roberts, and Hoyt Wilhelm um, in for like the pitcher spot. And then Hank Sauer, the Cubs outfielder who led the National League in homers and RBIs on a very bad Cubs team, ended up winning. Black got eight first place votes. So did Hank Sauer, uh, Robin Roberts, who probably should have won. He won 28 games. No one knew what war was at the time, but he had 8.6 war. Uh, he got seven first place votes. He was in second. Black was third. Wilhelm fourth. So it was a very, very close vote. Um, in, in Joe Black's Saber bio, uh, written by Peter Dreyer, he suggests that the controversy over this like vote, plus that the fact that pitchers were now like, being considered over position players. Um, I was looking at this, some of the high, like, I think black at the time through 1952, this would have been like the, t uh, in the top 10 of like reliever innings in a season. Uh, so this was sort of a relatively new thing of relievers being used this way. So I think a lot of people were like, well, relievers are, are like everyday players. So like, maybe we'll give them more, um, credit than like a starter. Um, uh, Jim Constance, Constantine uh, won the 1950 MVP for the Phillies in this role. Um, so I think this sort of helped pave the way to create a separate award for pitchers, which led to the Cy Young Award in 1956. So that was part of it. 
Uh, so anyway, so Black, he's used as a reliever all year. And then they're like, yeah, we might need him to start in the World Series. So, oh, yeah, by the way, he's a rookie. He's a 28-year-old rookie, but still a rookie. He starts game one uh, against the Yankees. They, he wins 4-2 to two in a, with a complete game. The first black pitcher to win a World Series game. Uh, he also started game four. Uh, he gave up one run in seven innings but lost. And then game seven, he gave up three runs in five and a third innings. Lost that as well. The Dodgers lost. Um, the Dodgers scored a total of two runs in those two last two starts. So he, it was very tough luck. That was I was looking back uh, of all the times the Dodgers lost to the Giants, and it was a lot of a lot of times. Um, Fifty two had to be the toughest. Like uh, they were up three to two on the Yankees, going back to Ebbets Field for two games, and they lost both. Uh, they just their offense uh, went quiet, which is. That never happens in the playoffs. I don't know what people are worried about. But, yeah, so that that World Series, Black, 21 and a third innings pitched, again, as a rookie, 253 RA. He was very, very good. Uh, Chuck Dress, I'm the Dodgers manager. This is for the Sabre bio again. Uh, his quote was, let's put it this way, where would we be without him, about talking about Joe Black? Um, another quirk here, so Black started games one, four, and seven. Uh, his last two starts were on two days rest because – uh, they played the seven-game World Series in seven days. I thought, when I looked at this, I was like, okay, it was a Subway Series, so that's probably why they did that. But I looked this up. Um, every single World Series from 1944 to 1957 was scheduled with no off days. So even like ones that were like um, St. Louis, New York, <laughs> or whatever, uh, <laughs> or, or, or something like that, or, or, you know, like Philly, New York, uh, it was – it was wild. I, did, I had no idea. Like 55 when the Dodgers won, it was all over seven days. Like that's wild to me. So like, uh, you know, starting one, four and seven used to be sort of the thing, but like it, it takes on added uh, like, like amazingness uh, when, when it's, when it's all in a seven day period. So uh, black wasn't really the same after the rookie season. He ended up, um, I forgot which year it was, but I think he like tore stuff in his shoulder. And I, I'm not sure exactly how they sort of uh, figured it out that like they didn't perhaps have the um, maybe they didn't know exactly what was bothering him, but he just wasn't as good. He did pitch for parts of six years in the National League and American League with the Dodgers, Reds and Senators. He had a 391 ERA, a 102 ERA plus in the NL and AL. Uh, he was 113 ERA plus with Brooklyn. He was 114 ERA plus in the Negro Leagues. Very good. Uh, he was traded to the Reds in June 1955 for an outfielder, Bob Borkowski, sort of a, a journeyman, barely played. Um, now, we sort of take for granted, I think, sometimes, like sort of everyone who plays for a team who wins uh, gets a ring. Um I think uh, like Ross Stripling, for instance, got a ring for the Dodgers, even though he was traded midseason. That seems like pretty commonplace. But like, I think it took a while for Black to get one. I, I Maybe it wasn't common at the time. Peter O'Malley, there was a note uh, in the New York Times about how eventually he did uh, later give Joe Black a World Series ring for 55, even though he wasn't around for the end of the year. Post-career, he did a lot. Like uh, he was a scout for a while. He taught junior high. He worked for Greyhound. Uh, he ended up in Phoenix, seems to be sort of beloved there. Um, he was on the board of directors for the baseball assistance team, like helping baseball inner cities. He helped lobby uh, Commissioner Faye Vincent uh, for a group of Negro League veterans and their spouses to receive lifetime health insurance in the 90s, uh, back when they were like figured out that uh, they weren't covered by like the, the pension plan that like old major leaguers were. So he was very instrumental in that. The Arizona Fall League uh, created an MVP award in 2002, and they named it after Joe, uh, after Joe Black. Joe Black passed away that year. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, had a, a, quite a mark uh, throughout baseball. Uh, so a very interesting Dodger, and I was, I was surprised we hadn't talked about him. So that's why I wanted to sort of tell his story. Um, now, Joe Black, he won Rookie of the Year. The Rookie True. of the Year was relatively Woo. new. <laughs> you got it. You, got, you nailed it. Uh, he was that was relatively new, was but he was the he was the third Dodger to win Rookie of the Year uh, in the six years uh, at that point of the award. Who hey, were the first two? Uh, Jackie. Jackie, who? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Onassis. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, man, uh, was it Campy? It was not. Uh, my next guess is uh, Don Newcomb. That's right. Hey, there we go. Yeah, I, I, like, I knew that was like in, in the punch bowl, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I just couldn't remember. Couldn't remember. All right, look at that. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> you and me, man. Hey, speaking of friends and friendliness, we have a friend. His name is Craig. He sends us stuff. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready. It's time for questions from Craig. Five questions, starting with trivia from our friend Craig. The Cincinnati Bengals will be in Inglewood for the Super Bowl against the Los Angeles Rams. There's no rivalry between these two teams, but there was a great Queen City versus City of Angels rivalry, the Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds. Today's trivia is about that rivalry. You ready? Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Cincinnati, uh, sorry, uh, from 1969 uh, five, to 1993, uh, five Dodgers hit 17 or more home runs against the Reds. Can Eric name these players? Um, so 69 to 93. Uh, so let's just go right off the top. Uh, Ron Say and Steve Garvey. Uh, reverse those two, but then you have them in order. Uh-huh. Garvey, um, Garvey one, say two. Garvey with 36, say with 27. Damn. Um, okay. Uh, 17 home runs. Um, 27. Hmm. Uh, let's go also with Pedro Guerrero. Uh, not on the list. He hit 15. Jerk. Um, <laughs> I thought you liked him. Let's say, uh, you know what? Even though it's, what about Davy Lopes? I know he was second base, didn't hit a lot of power. 16. But, uh, come on. Uh, let's, Wow. 69 to 93. So there's something. Uh, what about Mike Marshall? Number three with 21. Um, I'll let you know the two remaining names each had 17 on the on the dot. Of course. Um, let's go with. Um, oh, boy. Um Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker is one of them. Um, hmm. I get Joe Ferguson. Nope. One more guess, and uh, I'm going to tell you. All right. Um, Reggie Smith. Rick Monday. Almost went with Monday. Uh. Nice. Of course, the Reds and Dodgers have played each other since the National League was formed. There are five Dodgers. Uh, answer is being cut off. One second. There are five Dodgers who have hit thirty or more home runs in their career against the Reds. Name these sluggers. Of note, Steve uh, Garvey, <laughs> uh, who is one of those yeah, players. Look at that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the hint was you've already named one of the one of the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and so let let's just go with the. Uh, Gil Hodges, Duke Snyder. <laughs> he did it again. Uh, number yeah. one and number two, opposite order. Duke Snyder, number uh, one. Gil Hodges, Eric, two. Eric Karras? Nope. Um, really? Nope. You're a liar. Um, <laughs> so this is weird because... And Steve Garvey's third on this list with the 36. Um, I don't... Oh, man... It doesn't make sense, but I'm just going to say Mike Piazza. Nope. All right. Um, Willie Davis. Nope. No, he didn't hit that many. Um, oh, Gil Hodges. You already said Gil Hodges. Did I? You uh, did. <laughs> oh, yeah, I said Gil Hodges and Duke Snyder. <laughs> Who was I thinking you say, of them? Just say Gil Hodges three times. Hey, Roy, Roy, you're right. Roy Campanella. Uh, number five, 32. Um, so I'm missing one? You are missing one. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be give you uh, the years. 46 to 60 is uh, how long this car- player was when this player played. 46 to 60? Um, what? 
<laughs> um, uh, okay, wait. Uh, Carl Frillo. There you go. Well done. Nice. I thought I thought maybe the years would would help. That, it definitely helped, but I was like, you know, I, it threw me <laughs> off for a second. Like, yeah. Now do the same for the Reds. Name those oh, five God. players from Cincinnati who hit thirty or more home runs against the Dodgers. Um, hint, hint. Three are Hall of Fame and one played for the Dodgers. Uh, Frank Robinson. Uh, number one, 42 home runs. Oof. Um, uh, Barry Larkin? Uh, nope. Well, he is Hall of Fame. So. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan? Uh, pulling back up. I know Johnny Bench is. Uh, Joe Morgan is not. Uh, Tony Perez? Tony Perez is. 33 home runs right, for Tony so there's, Perez. There's the Hall of Famers. Um, uh, 31 for Johnny Bench. Eric Davis? Did I say him already? No. Did not. Is he? Is he one? <laughs> Eric Davis is not one? Is not one. Sorry. Sorry. Shouldn't have made that. That's more okay. Um, oh. I, Ted Klazuski? I don't know if he's Num- there. Number long. 37. He is okay. Um, yeah, sorry, number three. 37 home runs, sure, number two yeah. on this list. <laughs> I, this list, list, list went far, man. <laughs> uh, uh, George Foster, number five. Well done, dude. Nice. I okay. did not think you were going to get all five. I that was yeah, I just that based one out. purely on your reaction. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's more. <laughs> um, you ready? In the wild card uh, era, that was that was a two part one question. Normally, there's only four. He, Craig Craig went deep. Mm-hmm. In the wild card era, five Reds pitchers have collected 36 or more strikeouts against the Dodgers. <laughs> Who are those whiff masters? I love Craig's uh, thesaurus usage. Turn a phrase. I want yeah. his. <laughs> I want the Craig baseball thesaurus. Uh, no, uh, only one did this in the 1990s, and two of them uh, did this against Dave Roberts' managed teams. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna go. Uh, Aaron Harang. Uh, Aaron Harang, number three on this list with 39. Um, Johnny Cueto. Uh, number four on this list, 36, tied with uh, the fifth place as well. Bronson Arroyo. Number two on this list with 51. Um. All right. Um, Jose Rijo? Uh, no. Oh, already. Um, I'm trying to. I don't know why the '90s part is. Uh, let's go with uh, Pete Harnish. Uh, no, not even on my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, am I? I'm missing one of the people who are against current Dodgers, like. Or Dave Roberts ish. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Huh. Oh. Um, hmm. Oh boy. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Number one on this list is an old friend. Maybe Using the Eric, uh, Eric's definition of old friend. I want to make clear. sure. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, Homer Bailey. There you go. <laughs> I, I was. I was. But it's not a hint until I let, make sure we know it. I was gonna say Sunny Gray until <laughs> I figured it was something like that. Okay, so I'm missing still one more regular, like the '90s one, right? Uh, correct. You are missing the '90s player, '95 uh, to '97. Um. All right. I don't. I don't think this is right, but Dave Burba. Nope. I'm just going to give it to you. John Smiley. Damn it. All right. And for the last question, in the wild card era, five Dodger pitchers have recorded Uh. 50 or more strikeouts against the Reds. Please name these pitchers. And note, three of them recorded at least some of these strikeouts in the 90s. Uh, Hideo Nomo. Number two on the list with 69 strikeouts. Nice. Ramon Martinez. Uh, Wow, not not in the top 16. You're obviously lying. Oh, um, yeah, he's in the top 16, but not on the list. Uh, sorry. Ishmael Valdez. Uh, Ramon Martinez had 43 for what's uh, Ishmael Valdez, number three in the list with 57. Hmm. Um, uh, Kevin Brown. 
uh, Kevin Brown is not in the top. Uh, doesn't have fifty. He had forty-three. Of course. Um, list. Oh, uh, Chano Park. Chano Park is fourth on this list with fifty-six. All right, so I think you've named the '90s players. I was just going to say, yeah, that that covers that. Um, oh well, let's let's go with our friends uh, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, number one on the list. Would you believe with 100? What? <laughs> so, um, so here now the the question is, hmm, I'm going to go Chad Billingsley here. Number five on the list with 52. Nice. All right. you, you did great. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I did. I did. ESPN.com yeah. is now publishing uh, their all time uh, in their all time ranking. Blah, I'm going to say that again. ESPN.com is now in the all time ranking game. On February 1st, they began to publish their top 100 Major League Baseball players of all time. Lists are fun things, and this question is about the ranking of Clayton Kershaw at number 52. Kershaw is ranked higher than his colleagues, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, which seems okay to me. He was also higher than Steve Carlton and Lefty Grove. I find that a bit premature since Kershaw is an active player, and those two greats amass totals and or achievements that Kershaw has not approached. What do you think, and when does this podcast start doing all-time lists? Uh, in like a month. Run out of material. Yeah. No, um, so I I agree with Craig. I will add one more because the, they released ESPN this morning since Craig sent these questions, added the um, 26 to 50 folks. So... They just haven't done the top 25 yet. But um, so the left-handed pitchers on this list, uh, they have Sandy Koufax at 32, Clayton Kershaw at 52, Lefty Grove 54, Carlton 58, Whitey Ford at 60. So I agree with Craig that Kershaw could be ahead of Verlander and Scherzer. You can make case for Scherzer, like still very strong as he's older, you know, uh, but I'm okay with that for Kershaw. And that said, I've written this before. Um, I think Kershaw is better than Kofax. Uh, mm-hmm. so I would, I would rate him higher. He has, he's been better longer. That's sort of the argument. Obviously, you know, postseason, if you, if you want to talk about that, Kofax is better, but I just think Kershaw has a better body of work. That said, I think Lefty Grove is the best left-handed pitcher of all time. Uh, he should, I think Grove should be in the 32 spot if, if we're sort of maneuvering these around. Um, and I'm okay. I, I get why Kershaw wouldn't, would be ahead of Carlton, but yeah, Carlton, like he, he did the whole thing, right? Like his career is done. He has a long career. He won four Cy Youngs. He was, he was really good. I, I'd be okay if Carlton was ahead of Kershaw, at least for now. Um, but yeah, I think Grove would would be should be the number one here in terms of the just the left-handers. Um, just as a an aside, I was looking this up. So Lefty Grove, uh, he won nine ERA titles. Uh, he led the league in strikeouts his first seven years in the majors. He ended up winning three hundred games. Um, he um, what was this? So his career ERA plus is one is one forty eight which is over 17 years. Uh, so Kershaw's at 155. He is uh, through 14 years. Now, I was looking at Lefty Grove, like, let's just take his first 14 years, and it's uh, so like where Kershaw's at now, and he's at 151. So they're kind of the same, but I think Lefty Grove did it for three more years. So I would say Grove is number one, but Kershaw has a chance to pass him eventually. But like that's sort of where I'm at on this list right now. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, we know me. I know a little bit about the history of baseball, but nowhere near enough to really weigh on this heavily. Yeah. But uh, your logic sounds sound to me. Oh, also, I'm uh, I'm assume I guess Randy Johnson. I didn't see where he's. Uh, I'm assuming so. He's he might be in the top twenty five. You can make an argument for him as well. Like, mm-hmm. but like, it's it's equivalent. I'm just talking about like of these guys. Like, I I think I would still say Grove number one, but like it, it, you know. It's splitting hairs at that point. Right, you're at you're in the all time all time circle. Right, going yeah, on you, there. you you wouldn't uh, what kick them out of the bed for eating crackers or whatever that old statement is. Just kind of an aside on this, uh, we're at the point where, like, who do you think is number one when this list comes out? Not who do you think is number one? Who do you think ESPN oh. puts? 
Um, Willie Mays. Yeah, that that that's my guess, and I think you know this is a thing that I I would love to. This came up when we talked um, about Hank Aaron after he passed away, Henry Aaron after he passed away. Um, just where he fits in that list because it feels like the top three is usually in some order: Mays, Roof, and then Aaron. Uh, I think Ted Williams uh, gets in gets put in there as well, and I'm curious right. to see what what you th- what do you think? Do you think? That's the the four. Am I missing someone that we should be talking about? Uh, Bonds, but yeah, and that's with, with all the caveats, <laughs> right? Like the uh, uh, yeah, I it's one of those where like Aaron is 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 certainly great. Like Stan Musial is all is also like that. You look at his numbers and you're just like, how? how does this <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then I I always like look and he's not quite on that tier but he's like just a notch below but like frank robinson Mm. is like so good but no one ever thinks of him as like like a top five good even though he might have been yeah (laughs) he was he was like that so yeah it's it's crazy like but yeah it's probably or wait you said um Wait, did you say Ted Williams too? I no? did. I, I said Ted. Like to me, yeah, that so yeah, yeah. is frequently like it feels like I, Williams Bonds views are usually like usually after that three. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, for one reason I, or the other, and I think too, like you, Williams and Bonds are. I know Bonds won a bunch of Gold Gloves and left, and like he was actually really good defensively for a long time. Like Williams wasn't, but in terms of like, they're more the like the pure hitting yeah heavy like especially but yeah like it, it is interesting like but that's that's a that's a very solid group and then and then it's just a matter of like where i'm interested to see like i i don't oh and i get you know what they have a companion piece i didn't read it i just saw a headline also where do you fit in like um oscar charleston mm. and like uh, and maybe I guess Josh Gibson. Depending Josh Gibson on the... is on this list. I just uh, looked. Sorry. Oh, he he's, is. Okay. He's number so thirty. They, they might have Oscar Charleston like in that maybe like in the three spot or something like that. Mm, so mm. And, and it and it's just you know I I don't know but like that it would it probably right you know yeah. Like, um but yeah it's it, it'll be interesting I, I I didn't I didn't put much thought into this list till Craig sent it and I was like okay that all right it's it's we'll see how it goes so. Clearly, Mookie should be number one. <laughs> I, 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 w- one last quick aside on that is it'll be, it's interesting to me that like, you know, it sort of makes sense given where MVPs are, but that pitchers are never like, like how high can you put a pitcher basically, uh, yeah, on a list like this, and that'll be interesting. Yeah. I was it, wondering too, like, is it do, who do they put number one? Uh, you mean probably Walter Johnson, like in yeah, terms of pitchers, like, right? I mean. You run into the bonds thing with Clemens as the yeah. other, yeah. Fever, like it's all, and then and then I guess Randy Johnson is going to be in that top twenty-five. I, I would I would imagine since I, unless I missed him in the list, but yeah, Pedro. Oh God, uh, yeah, Pedro <laughs> is is. Of I was course, double like, checking that he hadn't been listed yeah. already, but I would I was about to say I would hope I hope he's in the top twenty-five. So right, cool. Uh, that was a fun discussion. It will be interesting stuff. to see. And if no news has come out, we might be discussing heavily <laughs> because we got we ain't got nothing else. Whenever the twenty uh, twenty two season begins, that's a lot of twos. One thing we don't see, uh, one thing we won't see, is Buster Posey behind the plate for the Giants. How big an impact do you think that will have for the Giants? And which team's offense will be affected more? Giants without Posey or the Dodgers without Seager? Well, the 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 big impact is that the Giants are clearly done. Uh, they're going <laughs> to have a losing record. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, that, that was huge. I mean, he was, he's like middle of the order guy. Uh, very good. Uh, obviously they were, they were using him judiciously. Like they gave him regular rest. Like they very rarely started him three days in a row. Um, but he was awesome. Like he, he's always been really, really good. Um, so just missing that presence in the middle of the order is going to hurt. Um, so I do think uh, Seager, I mean, I know he was hurt for a lot of the year, but the last two years uh, he was on a different level in terms of hitting. Um, I think sort of a new a new level for him. And 
the Dodgers are going to miss that greatly. So, uh, again, so we're talking about, like, the, obviously still in the lockout. One of the things once they restart again is teams have to fill their rosters. And like you mentioned, Dodgers might need a few players just like still. So Yeah, that's um, kind of what you and I are thinking, especially if there's still no news when we record next. We might uh, make the best team we can given yep. the 40-man only. Uh, and there, yep. it's like, wow, this is a really good team until you get to like the bench and the fourth starter or whatever. I would say, uh, and so just as a, just to give you an idea of that, so Dan Zimborski at Fangraphs this week um, put out uh, Zips projections for like teams as they're constructed right now. Uh-huh. And the Dodgers are, uh, their Zips record was like 94 and 68, which was the best in the National League. But again, with all the caveats of like razor thin, like starting depth and all that kind of stuff. But right. they, they're still really good. Just like it probably stand to be as, as we saw in the playoffs. Some of the people getting playing time like. Um, well, they started the offseason last year with like arguably nine starting pitchers, or whatever. So they clearly need 15 now. Exactly. Just go out and get all of them. Exactly right. But please, Clayton Kershaw. With the Lunar New Year beginning for the Year of the Tiger, I am... Oh, sorry, I skipped one. I skipped one. I'm so hungry, I wanted to go to the food question. For the contest, <laughs> and let's do this through the oh, 2022 God. World Series. Closest, no matter if you go higher, name the total amount of years for a franchise between winning the respective championship in the NFL, NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball in 2022. For example, in 2021, the Buccaneers went 18 years between Super Bowl titles, the Lightning went one year, the Milwaukee Bucks went 50 years, and the Braves had a 26-year gap. That is a total of 95 years. Yeah, I was looking at this, so, and I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to account for, so, like, if the Bengals win, yep. they, they've never won a championship. So, it's so, whenever, when was their first, first year? Right. Now, is it first year or in a, in a, in the is it Super Bowl like era? So like, would it be fifty six be the number for them or? I, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, the first so that, Super that's Bowl. Where they my head was yeah. sort of at like, um, so my, my number here is seventy nine, and wow. my logic is I actually think the Rams will win, although it would not surprise me if the Bengals won, but I'm I'm basically thinking that one of the Bengals or the Suns will win a championship <laughs> because the Suns are at 50, this is their 54th season and they've never won. So uh, well, it, I'm going to get keep, the large number in there. And yeah, then to keep this bet then, clean, you said 79? Yeah. 78. Okay. We'll, keep, so, we'll make then, this a nice over under. <laughs> and and I just sort of cheated. So my, my just back of the math, I think this works out. Rams, 22 years. Um, lightning would be three in a row. I just went with that. Dodgers would be two years and then, <laughs> and then sons would be 54. So that, that's sure. how I came up with 79 and I didn't put no, any and more the fact, time and it. this, you made this really easy because I did not think I didn't read this question ahead of time. So I was going to have to really scramble. Yeah, I, I was like looking at it for, I stared at it for a second. I was like, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, <laughs> but like, what are we guessing? Do we guess the chance? But like, the fact that you of... picked a team, like one of either the Bengals or the Suns, means I'll, I'll just say, and eh, no, it'll be for more right. recent-ish teams. Exactly. Go you're, you're gonna, we're going to get like, so Rams are 22. And you're, you're, it's basically, although it'd be funny if I win with like all, all like 22. 25, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With the uh, lunar, hey, this sounds familiar. With the lunar new year beginning for the year of the tiger, I am reminded of the mall food court with the ever-present Panda Express among your choices. Obviously, Jacob might recall the West Side Pavilion, uh, which is no more. I had to, I, I was, I like all of these mall names just conflate with me, so I had to remember which one this was. And this is the one um, in near Westwood, across the street from Apple Pan, and I had no idea it had closed. And it's like Google offices now or something. Strange. Um, mm. Anyways, that might have been the last one I stopped by many years ago. Here's this week's question. Was going to a mall food court part of your routine uh, if you were there to see a movie, hanging out at the arcade or shop? If so, name some of your favorite places if you recall. And for Jacob, when that day comes, is there some shopping mall close to you where you can take the stroller out, perhaps stop by a store for some treats to share with your family? 
I'll go. Uh, I'll start in reverse. There is a, a, a Oak Park Mall is in Kansas City, which isn't that far away. But these, uh, I, I, I worked in a mall twice actually the same mall um in santa clarita i hate malls man i've always, even when they were super popular and now you have this kind of situation where the outdoor malls have really taken over uh as the popular choices but there still seem to be like an indoor mall or like now and then that's really popular but a lot of these especially out here in the midwest are just really depressing just empty yeah they're they're all they're all dead now <laughs> like yeah. it seems like uh, I grew up um, spending a lot of time in the shopping mall because my mom uh, was a hairstylist and her the shop she worked at was in the Palm Springs Mall. So like either some scenarios where uh, like a, a lot of times I'd be at my grandma's house when my mom was at work or something. But sometimes like there would be literal days I, and I had to be like old enough. So and like old enough being like, 10 or 11, I think, where sometimes my mom would just take me to work and then I would hang out at the mall all day. And that is kind of boring, but like also, I mean, there was, you know, that era, I think in the the 80s and 90s, especially in Southern California, I think where like there was sort of a magic, you know, eventually I did grow to just hate just how crowded they were and how claustrophobic I felt. But when they're like, was reliably an arcade in a movie theater, and we'll get to the food part, uh, a food court, it was kind of, especially for uh, when you were of the age where you couldn't drive, it was kind of a nice place to be. So not, uh, it was in the same parking lot as the mall. Um, There was, uh, no, there was a movie theater, uh, the Camelot movie theater, uh, not, it wasn't attached to the mall, uh-huh. but it was like on the other end of the parking lot, which is also across the street from my high school. So I did, there were, there were times where, and this was, I think where I got this multiple movies in one sitting thing mm-hmm. where to kill time, I would just be at Camelot watching like three movies. And then Did you buy three then, tickets? Uh, yes, because yeah. I was scared. Yeah, no. to. And it I, wasn't I, getting caught. I had friends it was that always my wanted mom to do that. finding out I, I was getting Yeah, caught. I always bought my own ticket. Goody two shoes. Now but then I, I ended up having at a different movie theater, I had a bunch of friends work at that movie theater, so I got a lot of free sure. movies sure. on the back end. So no. Um but another thing before I get into the food too is uh so the Palm Springs Mall, it was also attached to like um there was a thrifties, um oh, yeah. which had the greatest ice cream, ice cream scoop ever. And then um also, there was a grocery store, but uh, so this this was a time in the '80s where I, as a child, and I don't know how they allowed this, but my my mom like <laughs> gave me a note, so it had to be before 1985. So I'm like, I'm nine at most uh, in this. I go over to Thrifties and I bought cigarettes for my mom, <laughs> and because it's like you know, it's not a small town, but it kind of people know. It's like yeah, she works over here; they know who she is. So. And I had the money and I bought my mom cigarettes at like eight or nine and then brought them back to her. And they're like, yes, that's a thing that should be allowed. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, what a what a time. What a time to be alive. What was your favorite but, food place? We got to so, get it hungry. As so tradition. my favorite food place by far in the Palm Springs Mall was the Orange Bowl. And it was just a sort of standard catch-all um, – standard fare fast food mall sure. <laughs> dinery type thing they had a they had a, a grill top they had a they had a bunch of fryers the fries um were really good i would i would put them on the level of like bowling alley fries and, okay. and like i mean that in the most complimentary way possible <laughs> um whether they also had like the the standard like uh, nacho dispenser that everyone had, <laughs> nacho cheese dispenser. So like they had that. Um, they had orange, uh, orange bang uh, on you know machine there, which was wonderful. Um, yeah. So like I had everything on that menu seventeen times. I'm pretty sure over the years. Um, yeah, there were other places in the food court that like came and went, but it was Orange Bowl for me was like by far the tops. It was it was great. I, I think because the the San, the Valencia Mall that I I grew up around had 
I don't know, had dozen, dozen and a half food places in the food court. And I can't remember more than like three because so many of them were just not, not great. Um, But the one that always stands out is the ubiquitous hot dog on a stick, which I loved. Hot dog on a stick. So they did not have it at the Palm Springs Mall, but they did have a hot dog on a stick at the Palm Desert Town Center, Mm -hmm. which is where... I don't know why. Like this was later when we had when we could actually drive places, but uh, that was a great. That had the awesome movie theater. Um, but yeah, hot dog and a stick, wonderful, just just perfect, perfect, perfect mall food. Uh, I, I would lemonade. say the, the the other thing I sort of associate with malls, and I think it was more later than growing up. But um, Sbarro is in say, like. And you know what? I feel like as someone who loves pizza, Sbarro has mm-hmm. always been disappointed. I think I remember even as a kid, like it's pizza, so it's good. But yeah, oh, man, pizza should be better. <laughs> I think I think I I sort of liked it in the guise of. Hey, that's pizza, and yeah, pizza. Yeah, good. I still ate, that, uh, especially when I was yeah. at UCLA Swirl, a lot because it's still pizza. But I uh, got, I think I don't. I'm not sure if I've ever technically had food poisoning, but I think <laughs> the one time I probably did was after a Sparrow, yeah. <laughs> and I still went back like two weeks later to the same Sparrow because it's pizza and it was cheap. So, yeah, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, I think uh, we should go have mall food. What about you? Uh, corn dog sounds great. You know what? It do, you know what? There's actually a hot dog on a stick not too far from me, and now I want to go drive there. So, all right, let's end this. Uh, everyone, go eat eat a corn dog, eat a sparrow, uh, cheese on a stick, yeah. hot dog on a stick. Exactly. Ha- go to your nearest mall. Go to your favorite food court spot, and just go to town and. Do that while you're listening to this podcast, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye.